Hey y'all, and welcome to episode 29 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on April 23rd, 2017. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I am also 50% of the show. With me, as always, is Brad Galloway, who is the editor at Game Critics. How are things, Brad? Things are good, man. Things are good. A little bit frazzled because it's uh, you know time to get ready for a new week of work, which kind of blows. But also, happy to be employed, so I guess I can't complain too much. Uh, yeah, but looking forward to the show tonight. Me too. I always look forward to talking to you, Brad. Ditto, man. Ditto. <laughs> we kind of suck if it didn't because it would make this this show really awkward, right? Like, oh, got to record a fucking Corey again. Jesus, like, <laughs> would not make for a good recording experience. That's true. I guess when we both agreed to do this show together, I guess the prerequisite is that we both like each other and enjoy talking to each other. So that was out of the way. Yeah, kind of square one. So I'm glad we could agree on that part at least. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh as anybody who usually listens to the show knows, we usually get the ball rolling a little bit with some uh, banter that is not necessarily game-related. Uh, Brad, how have you been since the last time we talked? Well, good, man, good. I'm trying something out new, and it's kind of throwing me for a loop. Um, anybody who listens to the show has probably picked up on the fact that uh, I am a homeschooling parent, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. I'm not going to get into all that. But, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, with our kids. And uh, I have so many topics I want to talk about, but I'm going to try to focus it tonight. The thing that's really been going on lately is that um, my son is getting older. And as he's getting older, he's going to be eight like any time now. He's going to be eight like in May. So he's almost there. And he's staying up later and later, which is fine. But my wife and I, you know, as parents, I mean, we love spending time with our son, but we also need like, you know, just some parent time or just some downtime. Um, you know, despite the fact that we're homeschoolers, you know, just for mental health purposes, we need like a, a few hours to just chill where we're not like on duty, you know. And usually that's been after we put our son to bed, we stay up a couple more hours then, and then we go to bed after that. But he's been staying up so late and I've been getting up so early that it's like I'm not able to stay up past when he stays up. And so, like, I'm not getting any, um, like, me time. And the same for my wife, right? So we're both kind of feeling a little run down and just like, oh, gosh, you know, we need some time, just a little break. So we were trying to, like, make some coffee and drink some Red Bull and stay up even later than he could. But it's it's just not happening. Like, we're just we're just too fucking tired. Like... We stay up and then we just end up sitting on the couch, just like zoned out and not watching a not watching a movie, not really talking, not playing any games, just like just awake and not really enjoying the time. So we're like, uh, OK, this is fucked. We got to do something else. So part of being a homeschool parent is like you just kind of accept things for what they are and you roll with it and you come up with like creative solutions. So my creative solution was that we would get up before he gets up and then that would be our quality time. And then when he got up, the rest of the day could be his and we would just have uh, a good day because we would have our needs met and so forth. Um, but he gets up fairly early and I need a, a good couple hours. So we've been getting up at about four to get up before he gets up, uh, which it sounds crazy for probably most people, but I've actually been working um, a job recently where I need to be at work at six. And so I was already kind of getting up at five. So I'm like, well, let's get up at four. Not that big a stretch from what I'm already doing. Uh, probably a bigger stretch for my wife. So we've been getting up at four and my son's been getting up at eight, right? So that kind of buys us, you know, give or take about four hours, uh, more or less, except for the days when I need to work. So 
the first couple days we were tired, but we're really enjoying the quiet time. Like he's still in bed. So we're just like playing games, chit chatting, made some coffee, hanging out. It's been really nice and lovely. Uh, but the thing is, is, my son has like this built in radar, right? So like he knew we were getting up early somehow on some primal level. And so he's been making himself get up earlier and earlier and earlier. And so like at first he got up at eight and then he got up at like seven thirty, and then he got up at seven and today he got up at six. And it's like, whoa, bro. Um, I'm getting up at fucking four o'clock and you're supposed to stay in bed till eight. Like you can't keep cutting in my private time. So I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. It's like, I don't know if I can get up any earlier than four. Cause I might as well just stay up from the night before. Right. Like it's like, why even go to bed? Uh, so it's tough, man. It's tough. Um, that probably sounds like totally insane to some people. I'm sure it does, but, uh, we really love homeschooling. We really love spending time with our son, but we just got to get that, that time and that break in. And I just, I don't know what's going to happen. If he keeps getting up any earlier, Fuck, man. I don't know, dude. Like, I'm gonna have to go to bed at like five o'clock in the afternoon and get up at midnight so I can get up before he gets up. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. But if anybody listening has any creative solutions, I'm open right now because I'm struggling to find that time. So, well, that is, at, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. At this point, if he's getting up earlier, so say he gets up at like six or something, is he like getting up extra early and staying up extra late at the same time? Yes, that is the thing. He's, he's, <laughs> He, uh, he's young, man. He's, you know, he's, he's growing, he's developing, he's got the energy, young kid energy. He can totally outlast us right now. Like he gets up early, stays up late and it's not like it's good time. Cause he kind of gets crazy. You can tell when he needs to go to bed cause he gets kind of loopy, but he doesn't go to bed. And so we got to just run him hard until he passes out. I'm sure any parents out there listening will identify with that. And it's like, he's just, he's just got more juice than we do these days, man. He's, he's running on a bigger battery and we just, we just cannot outlast him. Whenever uh, I was growing up and I was kind of going through the same stuff when I was, I don't know, like 10 or so and I was energetic and ridiculous, um, for a little while my mom resorted to the, um, the, I don't know, like wives tale, if you will, or home remedy of warm milk, giving me that at night and hoping that that would make me chill out. Have you guys tried anything like that? Any like home remedies or anything? Oh, yeah, dude. You know, I hear like giving some kid protein before bed, warm milk, warm milk with honey, warm milk with maple syrup, uh, anything like, you know, a bowl of cereal sometimes. Or I mean, I've heard like a dozen different ones. We tried them all. And it's just it just doesn't work. He just is, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's he's older. Plus, it's getting close to summertime. So it stays late longer. And so he just generally has more energy on top of all that. So I just don't know what we're going to do. So that's really, really tough um but we'll see we'll see how it goes so we'll figure something out um just wanted to give a really quick shout out also to face off have we talked about face off on this show the tv show not the movie uh like the special effects one yeah I yeah have we talked oh, about this i feel like you might have mentioned it like a really long time ago or maybe it was on a game critics show or something but uh it's the perfect time for you to bring it up again so what what's going on with it Cool, cool. Well, they're just actually coming to the end of, I want to say it's like season seven or eight. I kind of lost track, but we've watched every single episode of every season. I love the show. Like, I barely ever talk about it, but it's one of my favorite shows on TV. And all the episodes are available on iTunes. I'm sure they're available somewhere else to download. But it's basically a show about they pick these um, up and coming special effects artists and then they compete to win, you know, like $100,000 and a new car and all this stuff. And they, each week is like a different challenge. Like, you know, one week it'll be vampires. One week it'll be zombies. One week it'll be like fairies or something. They have like all these different theme challenges. And so all the contestants have to do like these, you know, movie style special effects makeups. It's just so fascinating to watch it. I just love watching the process. I love watching the creativity of these people, like all the different costumes they come up with. It's just so neat. And one of the things I really like the most about it is that it's not, 
it's not backstabby and it's not, you know, pissy or like um, really competitive in a bad way. That's the way that some reality shows are where you see the, the people like tearing each other down and making threats and being awful. Like in the show, like everybody kind of rises and falls on their own merits. And it's not like one person can really mess anybody else up. I mean, nobody goes around trashing someone else's makeup. Right? I mean, everybody keeps their hands to themselves and they just do their own thing, which is really cool. Because, like, after a while, like, as it gets, like, halfway through the season or later on, like, they all start, like, helping each other. Like, somebody needs help and everybody goes to help or somebody can't lift something and everybody goes to help and lift it or whatever. Like, you know, like, they know whoever's going to win is going to win, but, like, it's not hateful and it's not bitter, which I think is just so awesome. Like, I think it's just such a positive energy on that show. I really, really appreciate it. And this season has been kind of like an all-star season. So people who... uh did not win, but came really, really close. Like, I think everybody on this season had been on the finals of a previous season, so they all were really good, came back to try again, and uh, this coming week is going to be the finale. I'm really excited. They picked three really awesome people. I was really excited for all three of those people to be there. I cannot wait to see who wins, and it's one of those shows where it's like, I genuinely kind of don't care who wins because I like them all so much, I'd be happy with anybody winning. So I, I think it's a really cool show. If you like movies, you like monsters, you like makeup, special effects, I totally recommend the show. I think it's just so fascinating to watch. And I'm really happy to hear that they've been picked up for another season. So we'll get at least one more season of Face Off. Uh, I just I just can't get enough of it. I dig it. Hardcore. I feel like that show, like, because I've, I've never watched an entire season, but I've seen, like, you know, here and there, like, episodes on TV and stuff. And I feel like it's one of those shows where... I like I I never realize that it's still current. Like I sort of feel like the se- the show has already ended and the seasons have already ended and it's not on anymore. But it's kind of like Law and Order, where it's just like at this point, it's like I feel like it's going to be going on forever and ever, and it's like never going to be off the air. God, I hope so. I enjoy it so fucking much. I'm. It's like as we get to the end of each season, I'm just like dreading. I'm hoping they're not going to say, "Well, this is the final season," and I would I would I would hate it so bad. I would miss that show so much because we watch it as a family. We've watched it for like, like, you know, seven or eight years in a row. I just, I love it. I just really, really good, uh, really wholesome, entertaining. And I just, I dig all the monsters and stuff. So I'm hoping it goes forever. It won't. No show goes forever. <laughs> and I will be really sad when it finally ends, but we're going to get at least one more season and hopefully more after that. So totally, totally recommended. And uh, that's going to do it for my banter this week. What do you got on tap, sir? Well, um, I actually had a really busy week. Um, I didn't mention this on the show last week, but when we recorded on Monday night uh, last week, um, I actually left to go on a road trip to Texas. Like, like literally, we left really early on Tuesday morning. So, like, we recorded on Monday night. I edited the show. I posted it. And then, like, 10 minutes later, I was out the door because I had to drive um, about an hour. There were three of us that went, but we all live about an hour apart from each other. So I drove an hour to meet Peyton, um, one of the parkour guys here. And then he and I drove his car about an hour uh, west to go to Baton Rouge to meet Levi. And then the three of us got in Levi's car and went to we uh, road trip to Dallas for about a day and a half. And um, it was uh, it was pretty cool. They were they're big into parkour. And as I've mentioned on the show, only about, you know, 642 times I uh, am a photographer, kind of an amateur photographer. And I take uh, parkour pictures a lot, and, like skateboarding pictures and stuff. And. Uh, Peyton invited me to go on this road trip to Dallas with them. And of course I don't have a life. So I was like, sure, I'll go, you know, that sounds like fun. I haven't been on a road trip in like, I don't know, like a decade or something. I wasn't one of those high schoolers that like road tripped all the time or road tripped every summer. So, um, the three of us went to, uh, we drove to Dallas, which is about seven ish hours from here. So 
we got in Levi's car, went to Dallas, and um, basically just went around downtown Dallas, and I photographed them doing parkour and doing certain things, and then we met up with a guy named DeAndre, who I had actually met in Omaha last year, which was kind of serendipitous, because um, he opened a parkour gym in Dallas, and so... We met him, we went to an open gym night with him at his gym, and just kind of hung out, and then we stayed at a hotel on, uh, I guess it was on Tuesday night. Wednesday, we got up and went to Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, went and basically did more parkour. We met DeAndre at an outdoor location in Fort Worth, and I photographed them some more, and then we decided we were going to stay Wednesday night and come back Thursday, but they had been going pretty hard and were tired and we didn't want to spend the money to get another hotel uh, room. So we decided to come back late on on Wednesday night and got back in town uh, pretty early Thursday morning, probably like midnight or 1 or 2 a.m. or something like that. Um, but uh, but it was pretty fun. But the thing that um, that is interesting about parkour, and I uh, kind of met this head-to-head when I was doing parkour in college, and now I'm kind of getting to relive it a little bit as I photograph it, is that there's an element to parkour kind of like an element with skateboarding where, you know, it's like kind of an extreme sport. It's like kind of an unusual sport. Like, it's not like, you know, baseball or basketball where it's just like widely considered this like universal thing. You know, parkour is still in its infancy. It's like, it's not in the Olympics. It's not in the X Games. It's still like, people are still trying to figure out how to like, regulate it if you will and there's an element to it that sort of like lends itself to um I guess like not being legal like um like adventurous and like you know if you're jumping around on stuff then there's a high possibility you could be like on private property or trespassing or trespassing or something like that and that's sort of like the thing that always trips me up with it because for example we were out in downtown Dallas in front of this like little shopping center or something and Peyton and Levi were like Uh, climbing around on this it was just kind of like a little structure in front of the shopping center it looked kind of like a fountain and not like a traditional fountain but kind of like a it was just kind of like cubes like cement cubes but it looked like there was supposed to be a fountain but there was no water coming out of it and they were just kind of like climbing around and doing some jumps on it and of course like you know 99% of the time this happens like a security guard comes out of the building and he's like oh you you like you guys like need to get down like you're not supposed to be up there this is private property like if anything happens to you guys you know if anybody falls down and breaks something then we're liable for it cuz it's on our property and blah 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 and it's like it's like the same story every time, but I'm the kind of person, cause I'm a big baby. Like, and even when I did parkour, I was like this, where if anybody ever told me to leave, I would immediately just be like, okay, like I'm leaving, you know, and you know, and that's that. And I would leave and I would move on and I would basically never come back to that location again. Cause I, I don't want to be that guy where, you know, that ends up in like the security office or ends up like in jail for trespassing or something like that. So, but like Peyton and Levi kind of started like arguing with the security guard a little bit and you know, we're like asking him like, oh, well, you know, well, what, what do you define as like normal behavior out here? And like, how come these people are sitting over here and you're not telling them to go away? And like, you know, how come you're telling us to go away? And like, on one hand, like I 100% understand what they're doing because like, you know, like they're both trained athletes that have been doing this for years and they're not going to get hurt. You know, they know what they're doing. Like they're literally jumping from one platform to another, which is like not really like a life or death situation. But at the same time, you know, at, at the bottom line is like, yeah, we were trespassing. We weren't supposed to be climbing on this building's property. And I just like, I got like really irritated at them for a little while because I wanted them to just be like, okay, sorry, man, we'll leave. But instead they kind of like pushed the issue with them, even though like technically they were in the wrong 
And it's just one of those things where like, that's kind of something you run into while doing parkour and I'm like a big baby. And anytime we like went somewhere where they were like practicing somewhere that even looked like remotely, like they might be on private property and something might happen. Like I tended to just kind of like stay back and kind of let them do their thing. So that way I wouldn't get in trouble. And you know, I didn't want to have to call Patrick at, you know, the middle of the afternoon in Dallas, Texas and be like, oh, we're, we're in some security office somewhere. Why don't you come and pick us up or something like that? Like, I, I didn't want to be that guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I like I'm just rambling at this point, but that's sort of like, I don't know. That's just something that I feel about parkour. And uh, I don't know. It sounds silly, but I, I don't know. Well, I have, I have a couple, I have a couple questions because. You know, we've had similar discussions on this show before about you going someplace and like security guards coming out and hassling you and stuff like that. Like I get like I get it, man. Like I'm not a business owner, but like if I was, you know, in a place and I'd see these guys running around, I'd be concerned that like they would hurt themselves and, you know, there might be some injuries or something. And then who knows? They're going to turn around and see you. Maybe they won't. Who knows? Right. Like I'm sure the Parker guys would never want to do that. But business people don't know that. And they're just, you know, trying to protect their own property and stuff. Um, but you know, I mean, injuries must happen. I mean, I, I mean, I get that they're probably really in good shape, probably way better shape than I am. That's for fucking sure. Uh, because my shape is a circle, but like, um, you know, I mean, people must get hurt at some point. Have you been on a, on a, a shoot or a, a trip or an excursion where somebody like, you know, got fucked up and got hurt? <laughs> well, you know, amazingly, I actually haven't been probably the worst thing that's happened is, and this isn't even that big of a deal there. Uh, whenever I was in Omaha, the, the group that I photographed there regularly, I went out with uh, a guy named Cody and a guy named Riley one day and Cody, who is maybe the best athlete in the group, maybe um, if not, then like top three for sure. He was climbing up this like red statue thing that was in a public park downtown. And, uh, and you know, they had climbed it up, up at like a million times and, but whenever he climbed up it, he actually like hit his head a little bit on the corner, like the sharp corner of one of the edges of the statue. And so the top of his head started bleeding and like he immediately climbed down and, you know, couldn't see what it looked like because he couldn't, you know, he can't see the top of his own head. And of course, me being the idiot that I am, he's like bleeding out of his head. And I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like gushing or anything, but it was definitely like dripping down his forehead. And, and instead of being, you know... The, the comforting guy that's like, oh, come over here. Like, why don't you wipe it off? Why don't you drink some water? Instead, I'm like, oh, wait, will you turn into the light so I can take pictures? Oh, hold on. Hold your head down this way. Hold on. Will you look up at me with your <laughs> eyes? Can I take some more pictures? So I took like 30 pictures of him while his head is like bleeding. But, um, you know, he didn't get seriously injured and it wasn't like, you know, he didn't have to go to the hospital. It wasn't like a concussion or anything. But, um, you know, I mean, that's one thing that that sort of parkour emphasizes that I feel like a lot of people like, you know, like the average person doesn't, doesn't uh, realize is that it's all about progression and movement. And it's about, you know, starting small, like learning to walk before you run and learning to run before you jump. And it's about only being, uh, you know, being as safe as you want to be and not trying to do like any fucking ridiculous moves, like right off the bat. Because if you're one of those people that goes into parkour and the first thing you want to do is like learn how to do a backflip or climb the tallest building in your downtown area, like that is totally not the right attitude to have. And it's usually those people who come into the community and either get like shunned pretty quickly or they like drop out or they realize that their head isn't in the right place. And, uh, and I mean, parkour is a lot like martial arts. Like martial arts is about learning what your body's limits so that you can fight and so you can attack and so you can defend yourself. But parkour is like, it, I mean, it's like the art of like fight or flight. Like parkour is like the flight of martial arts. Like it's learning about escaping a situation and getting from point A to point B as, uh, as like delicately and as, um, as efficiently as possible 
if you ever need it to be like an escape situation, because I'm sure like 90% of the people who spend their lives learning martial arts, like they probably never really actually use that martial arts in anything. I mean, it's not like Shin Mu where you end up in a street fight with 100 people and have to fight them. And it's kind of the same for parkour. Like you learn it, you sort of dedicate your body to it, you learn your body's limitations, but it's pretty fucking rare that you're going to be in a situation where you're like, actually going to have to like run away from people and like climb up a wall and climb over a gate unless you're like intentionally doing something wrong and doing something illegal but if that's what you're getting into parkour for then your head is like not in the right place at all like for starters i guess i don't know man i bet you've got some career criminals who are learning parkour just so they can more efficiently rob people that sounds like a good way to escape i bet i bet maybe they don't know because they keep it a secret but they look like pretty shifty bunch dude i don't know I mean, allegedly, according to every security officer everywhere, I mean, who, you know, wants to kick you out of locations. But I mean, long story short, I had a good time in Dallas. Um, I'm glad they invited me. I took like 1,100 pictures and I've been slowly getting them edited. And uh, Peyton is kind of like, he's a little bit of a control freak when it comes to like, not photography itself, because he's into photography as well, but he didn't take, he's more of like a video guy. And so like, he's like, oh, well, when you're getting the pictures edited, like, when, when are you going to give us the folder? Like, I really want to see him. And he, like, he, he gives me, like, a lot of unsolicited advice on how to edit pictures. And to be honest, it's, like, pretty irritating. And, like, I even told him that it was irritating. And I'll, like, show him a picture that I, like, snapped real quick. And he'll be like, oh, there, there's some blues in your whites. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't care. Second of all, like, I didn't ask for your opinion on these photos. And third of all, like photo editing is it's just like painting like it is a very subjective way like I'm going for the style I want and if I want my style to be cooler and more blue toned then that's what it is but he's just kind of like one of those people that like like anything you do he'll like give you his critique on it immediately even if you don't ask for it so the name like Peyton what do you expect I mean come on I guess I don't know yeah Peyton's are all like that dude he's a type (laughs) (laughs) And if he, anyway. I, I doubt he's going to listen to the show, but Peyton, if you're listening to the show, I'm sorry. And if you want to complain about me, then get your own podcast and then talk about me on it. <laughs> all right. All right. I think, <laughs> I think we have covered the world of parkour and the world of my fucking sleeping schedule pretty damn thoroughly this week. I think Indeed. we should probably move on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now that we've spent half the show talking about dumb shit. Um, well, 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 listeners, if you have been tuning in this long and did not turn off the show already because you're tired of listening to me and Brad talk about stupid bullshit, we're going to start talking about video games now. So get ready. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I haven't been playing a ton this week. Um, I've got some Horizon updates incoming later, and uh, I have some other stuff. But Brad, I know you've been playing more than I have this week. So what is the newest, hottest thing that you've been up to? Uh, okay, so let's talk some fucking games. Um, <laughs> let's see. The thing that I'm playing right now, um, well, I'm kind of juggling between a couple things, but the thing I want to talk about first just came out on PS4, Xbox One, and Steam. I want to say it was last Tuesday. Uh, it's called Flint Hook, and it was released by Tribute Games. Um, they've done a couple games before this one. I think probably the most well-known one they've done is Mercenary Kings. That one had like a minor... Um, minor hot streak when it came out on PS4. I want to say it was like last year or the year before. Uh, that was kind of like um, a Metal Slug game where it had also uh, leveling up and progression and crafting. I played it and I really didn't like it a lot. I, <laughs> I did not like it. I mean, it was it was free on PSN for a while, which is where I tried it. 
Uh, and I, I bailed on it pretty quick. I think they've done one other thing. It's, it's, it's slipping my mind right now, but uh, it doesn't matter because Flint Hook is, I think, their third game. But it, for my taste, it is like by far, by far the best thing they've done. Um, I really, really enjoy it. I think they've really stepped up in terms of production and design, and I'm just really, really pleased. Uh, basically, <clears throat> excuse me, Flint Hook uh, puts you in the role of a like space pirate. You kind of look like, it's hard to describe. You look like a dude who's got like a sack over his head, but actually I think he's like an alien. So I think his head is kind of more like a baby squid or something. doesn't matter. He's just like, uh, he's a dude and he's got like a little cape and he's really cute. It's a side-scrolling uh, 2D pixel-based uh, game. And I'm sure a lot of people are like already rolling their eyes like, oh God, another <laughs> pixel-based indie. Oh God. I hear that. I hear that. But like the graphics that they have uh, offered up here, they're phenomenal. They look so good. They've done such great pixel work. It just, it's such a beautiful game. If you're not completely sick of pixels, I mean, I just, I can't imagine anybody looking at this and not being like totally enamored with it. I think it just looks so attractive. It looks so good in motion too. Um, but the hook to this game is that instead of just being is like it, a traditional... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it the flint it hook of flint this game? hook, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I'm like, oh, here comes Corey. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know you so well. We've, we've, we've done like almost 30 shows. I'm picking up on your cues, man. Oh, I gotcha. Man. Um... <laughs> It is actually the flint hook, as a matter of fact. Uh, so it's basically like a grappling hook. And I may have mentioned under the show, I am a fucking sucker when it comes to grappling hooks in games. That is like one of my weaknesses. Like if you stick a grappling hook in your game, like you got a real good chance that I'm going to like it. I mean, unless it's <laughs> terrible. Uh, I just, I love grappling hooks and it's done so well. So um, you play as a space pirate. What you do is you uh, barge your way into other ships um, your guess, I guess you're like the good space pirate and you're going after the bad space pirates. Um, so you fly in space, you locate a ship, you choose one from the menu, what target you want to go after. And then you launch this giant like anchor from your ship into theirs, breaks through the, the wall and you just go like skating in. You're inside their ship and you're going to like rob their stuff and kill their dudes. Uh, but it's very cute and it's very like bloodless. So it's not like anything gruesome or gory. It's just, it's very, it's very adorable. Uh, but how this works is instead of it being like a, a level-based traditional game, it's actually a rogue light. And I did say light, L-I-T-E, because, um, and this is something I had no idea about the game until I played it, because it kind of looks like a Mega Man or something like that. But no, uh, what happens is you have to collect a certain amount of points, which are which is done by completing levels. You beat a certain amount of levels, and then you fight the boss. If you die at the boss, then you have to go back and earn uh, those points again. That sounds like a drag. But actually, it's okay because the rogue light element comes into play because there's a lot of progression going on. Every time you do anything in the game, you earn experience. As you earn more experience, you unlock more stuff, and then you get the ability to buy that stuff. So, like, you may die the first couple times. I mean, you inevitably will. But, like, if you die enough times, you'll earn enough experience. You'll unlock some perks that you can equip, and you can change the perks, too. You can give yourself more life, or you can give yourself more damage. Your shots can go further, or you can have a shield, and that kind of... I mean, there's like a whole bunch of different perks that unlock as you go. So the longer you play, even if you don't have a successful run, even if you fail, you'll still unlock some stuff, so it makes you feel like not a total waste, and so you come back the next time, and you're stronger, you get a little further, you do a little better. It works really well, and as far as progression systems in a rogue-liked, like, or light game go, I think it's really well done. Um, I don't know that I'm totally in love with that decision because honestly, I think it would have been just fine as a standard kind of like Mega Man style game. 
because the controls are like tight. They are so tight. They got it totally dialed in and it feels so good to control this character. Uh, the grappling hook works like a dream. He can jump all around. He's got a little slow-mo uh, that recharges so you can use it like, you know, a fair amount. His gun's really easy to use. And the levels are really conducive to him zipping around. There's all these like metal hooks in the wall in pretty much every room. So, you know, you're, you're not really too limited when you want to use your hook. There's always like a way out. There's always a way to zip away. And just like getting in the game and just actually just the physical sensation of playing is really positive, super positive. I just, it feels so good. Um, they have done something interesting where you aim and move with only the left stick, which kind of threw me for a loop at first because the right stick is not used. And I really questioned that at first. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why are they not using the other stick? Um, I think it's probably because they want you to kind of get into a flow state where you're just really uh, moving and shooting and moving and just going in one direction at the same time and kind of, I mean, it kind of makes a sense sort of after you get used to it, but it's really weird at first. And even though I'm used to it now, and I kind of understand why they did that, I I kind of wish they also had put in some options. I think giving people the chance to decide for themselves would have been good, because I might just default back to like using two sticks like most games do. Uh, but once past that learning curve, it, just, it feels really good. I mean, regardless, it still feels great to just run around and shoot and jump and go through these levels and blast cartoony space pirates. And it just is a great, really, really well put together game. Music is really good, and I don't say that often about games, but this music is really good. And just everything about it is just super, super polished. I mean, some people may not click with the roguelite nature of the game, but that's like a design decision. That's not a flaw. That's not a problem, you know? Like, it's not an error that they needed to fix. It was just, it's a very conscious design. So while some people may not like that part of it, you can't really say that it's like a flaw. Um, and I think that they've just really done like better than they've ever done before. They really have topped themselves. I mean, this is like their best game by a large margin. And I think it's, it's lovely. It's just so lovely, really been enjoying it. And I think it's probably one of my favorite games of the year. Um, I'm only about halfway through and I'm still dying and still unlocking stuff. I'm still making forward progress little by little, uh, but still digging it. Um, it's not the kind of game where you sit down and play it for like six hours at a stretch. It's more of like, I'll do one run. I'll do two runs. If I win, I leave happy. If I fail, at least I've unlocked something. So that's okay. It's not the kind of like, you know, you don't just sit down and just play it for a day. It's, it's kind of meant for to be played in short bursts, which is fine. So, uh, so far, I'm just, I'm, I'm all about it, man. I'm, I'm giving it uh, a big thumbs up. I really enjoy it. Um, man, I don't even know what to say about this game. Oh, yeah, I do know what to say. Whenever I was looking up the factual information on the game's website, did you know that when you go to the game, uh, the game's own like wiki for the game, and I'm not talking about like the Wikipedia wiki, like the the game website itself, the very first um, like website quote on the site is from Game Critics. Did you know that? No, is it really? Yeah, it's like a quote. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's about the game being like a gym and a surprise. Did you write that? Uh, I must have because I don't think anybody else at Game Critics has played it. I will have to, <laughs> I'm going to go check this out right now. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's literally like, cause they have like a little list of like, you know, like the praise for the game. And the very first one is game critics and it's like polygon under that. So like game critics, like one out on the praise uh, mentions for that game. So good job. Really? I had no idea. I'll have to check that out. Well, yeah, I do love this game. It's interesting too, because I had seen this game for the first time last year at PAX and it was, a, it was in the indie mega booth. It was really, really just, it was on one screen, tucked away behind some other game. I think they were sharing booth space with somebody else. 
So it was really easy to pass by. I stopped by and I saw it. I'm like, huh, this was kind of cute. I played it for like 15 seconds and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm, hopefully this is good. And I remembered it. And I, I actually featured it in my PAX coverage because I thought it was really promising. And it really is cool to be to see this thing like after that all that time passed, comes out, it's looking even better than when I saw it at PAX. It feels good, plays good. I love just like seeing something um, just for a minute and then having it actually be good. Now, I, I'm proud of these guys for the work they've done, but I'm even more proud of me because I was able to recognize something good <laughs> off of 15 seconds and then it turned out to be good. That's how good my critic game sense is honed, my friend. I can look at something for five fucking seconds and I know that it's good. So, yay me. Just like with Horizon <laughs> Zero Dawn, right? Ah, fuck. Shut up. Don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not perfect, okay? God. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff, though. It's good stuff. I think it goes for like 15 bucks or something like that on PSN. And I recommend it. If you like rogue likes or rogue lights or you like grappling hooks or you like space pirates that look like squids or you like 2d games i mean this is like it's like a can't miss like it's good from every angle the only the only people i can't imagine liking this are people who just don't like the roguelike structure and if you don't like it that's just like a taste thing but otherwise man it's aces all the way across the board yeah i'm uh i'm not really into the whole like roguelike thing so this is a game that i might check out if it like inevitably goes on sale for like four or five dollars on ps and then i might pick it up but um yeah, if it were like straight up, like you were saying, if it were like Mega Man or something or like Metroid or something, I would probably be more into it. But I just am not into roguelikes. So, I mean, that's that for me, I guess. Yeah, it's tough, man, because I do like what they're doing. But part of me thinks they may have been better off by skipping the roguelike part. Like, I, I think it's well done and I like it. But at the same time, I don't think that it would really be hurting the game if they had kind of dropped that and did more traditional progression, but it is what it is. So um, I still like it though. I still recommend it. Well, speaking of 2d platformers with combat, um, can you guess what I'm going to talk about next? I hope you're going to be talking about deadlight. I am going to be talking about deadlight. So you talked about deadlight like two episodes ago or something. And it went on sale on, oh my God, it went on sale on Xbox One like the week after for like five bucks or something. And I was like, oh, awesome. I will pick this up and buy it. And then like two days later, it went on sale on the PSN and I would much rather have it on the PlayStation 4, but that's beside the point. So I bought it on Xbox and I had it uh, downloaded and everything. Well, I sit down at my Xbox earlier because I only had time to play a little bit of it uh, today. Um, I fucking sit down at my Xbox One and I turn it on and I launch the game and it's like error, like blah, 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 something about, like, how I need to cancel the installation and, like, restart it. And I was like, okay, well, it's not even installing right now. Like, it's already, I downloaded it, like, two weeks ago. So I, like, close it and try to open again, and it gives me the same error. So I had to uninstall the whole goddamn game and reinstall all of it just so I could play it before the show tonight, which is incredibly irritating. But that is also beside the point. Um, I don't know if that's an Xbox One problem or if it's the game's problem or the store's problem or something. But it was really dumb, but I played it. I've only played Deadlight for about 30 to 45 minutes prior to the show starting, so my um, my impressions are very shallow and very, um, uh, I don't know, like first impressions, if you will. But uh, so far, I think it's all right. Um, I do have to say that I take slight issue with um, the controls in the game because you had said that it was like super duper dialed in and tight, and I actually disagree with that pretty hard. Um, 
I don't know if it's because you played it on PlayStation and I played it on Xbox, and I don't know if it's a little more sluggish on the Xbox, but the jump button in the game, it's one of those games where, and this is a, it's a 2D platformer, so it's not like you know, you're know you not jumping, that's like half of what you're doing in the game. This is one of those games where the jump button, when you press A, it there's like a half second delay between pressing the button and the main character actually jumping on the screen. And every fucking time I press the A button, I miss the gap and I fall and I get eaten by zombies. Like literally the first jump in the game, like that's like worth anything. I missed it like three times in a row and died because there's a slight delay in the jump button pressing and the character jumping on screen. And it's the same with the, you find like a, like a ax to like chop zombies up with about 20 minutes into the game. And it's the same thing with that. You press the B button and there's like the tiniest delay between pressing the button and him actually swinging the ax on screen. And I find it incredibly irritating. It, it, was that present on the PlayStation 4 version, Brad? Um, yeah, I don't remember what I said exactly, but it, it's very much in the vein of like uh, the original Prince of Persia or, uh, you know, Out of This World or those games. Did you play any of those games? Uh, no. Okay, so that's exactly what those games are like. And so that's, uh, I'm not saying, I'm not excusing it, but that's like how the design is of those because they're so heavy, like tied to the animation and stuff. Whenever you, you, you have to you always like plan for that extra half a second when you jump or like when you attack. That's just like they all, they all kind of share that in their um, design, I guess. I don't know why. I think maybe because the original Prince of Persia was kind of rotoscoped with that animation. So it kind of took a little while. And everybody who came afterwards kind of just followed in those footsteps. But it's I think it's just like the way that people are making those games now. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're used to it, no problem. But clearly that's a little bit of a learning curve there. But yeah, that's, that's how it is. Yeah, it's a little... Um, it kind of surprised me a little bit. But uh, I mean, I'm getting used to it the more I play it. But I feel like it's not too much to ask to press A and have him jump as soon as I press the A button. But I mean, I guess allegedly it is for this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get why someone would not like it. And actually, it's not my favorite thing in the world either by any means. But it's like I've played so many in this genre that are just like that. I kind of just am like, that's just how these are. So I, you know, maybe that's a, that's a failing on my part for excusing it. But they just they all are like that. And meanwhile, I've been playing a bunch of other 2D games where the care like Castlevania and Limbo and Inside and Metroid where, and Strider where you press A and then the character just immediately jumps as soon as you press A and there's no stupid delay in it. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of snappy controls for sure. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm definitely on that side. But yeah, I hear you. But no, that's how it is. So I get you. I feel you. Well, I'm coming around to it, but um, I, I mean, I've only played it for about 30 to 45 minutes, so I can't say a whole lot. I do I do like it so far. It's not like groundbreaking in any way, shape, or form, um, but uh, I think the story, I mean, it's a zombie story, like, you know, there's nothing new to be dredged from zombie stories at all, but it's, it's a zombie story. I feel like the writing and the voice acting is very cheesy and like a, kind of like a Hollywood B-movie, like Terminator kind of way, and uh it, it irritates me that they call the zombies shadows in the game because every time you make a zombie game or movie and they call the zombies something other than zombies, I roll my eyes so hard that they pretty much fall back into the back of my skull. But I, I think the game's all right so far. I like that there's not a very big emphasis on combat because I don't think the combat is tuned very well, which is fine because it's probably, I mean, it's not like an action, you know, uh, third person like shooter or anything. But, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's fine so far. I'll keep playing it. Um, 
I think it's a little bit cheesy. The controls are a little sluggish for me, but I mean, that's the way the game is made. It's not meant to be like, you know, Castlevania and Zombieland or something, but, um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it's not a Twitch kind of thing. It's more about like planning out your moves ahead of time and execute executing well. And like you said, like they don't emphasize combat very much. I mean, there's a few sections where you got to participate in combat just because, but overall there's very little combat. You're usually just trying to get away from zombies and not fighting them. So, um, you know, let me know what you think as you get as further on. It's not a long game by any means. I think probably four or six hours or something like that. Like it's 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 like a two seater, or not two seater, two sit two seater. That doesn't make sense. Jesus, <laughs> it's like it's like a small roadster. Okay, no, it's not like a roadster <laughs> at all. It's like a two sitting game is what I meant to say. Where you just you sit down twice and at the end of the second time you're done. So, um, I thought that at the end um, it had a nice little twist, and I thought um, you know not original, but I thought it was well done for what it was, and I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So. Uh, I know you are probably a more discerning uh, customer when it comes to the the scary games, the horror games. So I will defer to your judgment when you get there. But uh, fill me in. I will do. I will. Uh, if I can tear myself away from Horizon at any point in the near future, then I will keep playing it. But uh, oh we'll god, see. <laughs> oh, tear myself away from Horizon. Oh god. You know you want to talk about like cheesy ass stories, dude. Like we, I was actually talking to a friend of the show. Uh, and your favorite person, Mike Susky, uh, about uh, Horizon. I do love Mike. I think Mike thinks that I don't like him, but I really, Mike, if you're listening, I really do like you. I just like giving you a hard time about things. Oh, Mike is great. I love Mike. He's a great guy, great writer. He's a real credit to Game Critics. I'm, I'm glad he's aboard. Uh, but he is one of those sick bastards who loves Horizon. And I was like, oh my God, you too. Like, ah, it's like, it's like everybody's pod people. I'm like the only person who's like running down the street, like screaming, looking for the only humans left over. <laughs> and everybody's just taken in by the Triffids, you know, but um, he was, you know, he was saying that he really enjoyed the story. And I mean, like you're saying that the zombie story is cheesy and I totally agree with that, but I think like it's pretty well done for what it was. Like to me, Horizon story is like uber cheese. Like it's like so predictable and so just like within the first like half an hour, I could have totally told you everything that was going to happen. And I would have been mostly right. Like, you know, minus a few details here or there. I just it's weird to me that so many people are praising the story. I just I'm like, what? Like, does nobody read sci fi? Has nobody seen any movies like this is like a super boilerplate story. It boggles me, boggles my mind. I mean, that's not a criticism of Mike. It's not a criticism of anybody, except I guess maybe it is. But. I guess <laughs> it's it's weird to me on the subject of stories that people think that's a good story. Well, so, it's anyway, like, that's my it's kind of like we talked about before with like The Last of Us where like the like the the bar for storytelling in video games is so horribly low that even like average and slightly above average stories seem like the best video game stories ever just because like everyone that plays video games is used to absolute shit for stories. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I find myself having difficulty praising that game because I just don't like it. But yes, I agree with you. I will concede that point for sure. Uh, but I still don't like it very much. I think that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. This is not this is not supposed to be a segment about bashing Horizon. <laughs> we got woefully off track here. I apologize, everybody. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, let's move on before I find myself saying something I'll regret. Yeah. Plus, I'm supposed to be giving a real update on Horizon later. And you just fudged all of that. Oh, shit. Do you want to just do it now since we're talking about it? We might uh, as well. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I mean, I've been I totally, playing... I, I'm sorry, dude. I totally forgot you were going to be talking about it. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, and for what it's worth, I actually think the story is just okay. Like, um, that's actually one of the things that I kind of wanted to complain about a little bit because I, I still like Horizon. I Like, like I said, uh, you know, last week or the week before, I don't think this game is groundbreaking in any way, shape, or form. If you've played 
you know, a third person open world game and the past 10 years, it's pretty much exactly like that, but it is kind of the game I'm looking for right now where it's just big and it's, it's easy enough to play. It's not frustrating. Uh, it's not frustrating too much. Um, there's a lot of stuff for me to do. It's just a game that I can keep coming back to and keep playing, which is, you know, that, that doesn't sound like glowing praise, but it's enough for me right now. But uh, what I wanted to say, uh, just a couple of updates about Horizon. I'm about 27 or so hours in and I'm getting pretty deep into the story right now. Like some of like the questions from the beginning are starting to get are starting to get answered in the game uh, at this point. And um, and I, I have to say that I think this game does a terrible job about like kind of like j- just like storytelling in general. Because toward the beginning of the game, the storytelling is okay because like you're growing up as Aloy, you have your father figure there, you get to like play certain aspects of, of, uh, of, you know, her childhood to really learn about her and learn about the environment and everything. But like, I got to a section that's, I guess, I don't, I have no idea how far I am in the game, so I can't really say, but, um, like story-wise, but I got to a section where it kind of like, it it gave, I'm not going to spoil it, but it gave like a bunch of like story answers and like, you learn a lot of stuff that you have, that you've had questions about since the beginning of the game. And, like, honestly, the way the game solves those story questions is you make it to this area, and there's, like, these hologram things, because she has her little, like, focus earpiece that can, like, show her things. And you get to this room, and there's literally, like, this, like, computer that's like, oh, here's a, here's a hologram of what happened in this room. And then you, like, scan it, and it plays out, like, a little 3D model of, like, you know, people talking in the room and kind of, like, giving some story details and stuff. And it's not like a cutscene. Like, it's just a situation where you're sitting there and you can run around the room, you can jump around, you can shoot arrows and whatever, but you're supposed to be, like, you know, dialed into what they're saying on the hologram and paying attention. And it literally does that, like, three times in a row in the same room. Like, it's like, here's hologram one, scan it and watch it. And then as soon as it's over, the computer's like, here's hologram two, scan it and watch it. And you do that three times. And... And the whole, like, section leading up to this and the section leading out, there's a bunch of, like, little, um, like, audio logs and little, like, text logs that you have to scan. And, I mean, you don't have to watch them. You don't have to listen to them. But it's just, like, the absolute worst way to deliver a bunch of, like, meaty story details. I don't understand why the game didn't just take over, move into a cutscene, and, like, kind of, like, cinematically unveil these, like, story bits. Because it's just so lame because at the very beginning of the game there's a section where you get like eight audio logs in a row and then for the most part you're just kind of free to play the game for the next like you know 10 15 20 hours it takes until you get up to the point that i just got up to and then it's like it just like hits you over the head with a bunch of audio logs again and a bunch of like holograms to look at and like i do appreciate the little story bits that are coming out because I'm curious about certain things about Horizon's world and about stuff that happened in the past and about like, you know, how they're going to kind of like converge and, and solve things for the present time. But that's like not the way that I want story bits delivered to me is by watching a bunch of holograms and listening to audio logs and stuff. No, dude, I totally, totally agree. I mean, for as boring and predictable as I think the story is, I mean, it might have been better if they had told it a different way because I am 100% on board when it comes to stuff like that. I can't stand... Like, at this point in games, um, I am I am fucking allergic to, like, audio logs <laughs> or text files or anything like that. Like, it's just that really passive, oh, hey, player, let me just really tell you this, this info dump thing real quick because we couldn't figure out a way to have you play through this or we couldn't have a way to show this to you dynamically 
but you have questions, and so we just got to tell you the script that we came up with, and blah, 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 and they just vomited onto you. Oh, God, I hate it. I hate it. It's so boring. It's so flat. And, um, yeah, any game that tries to pull that shit with me these days, it just does not work. I mean, it's so rare that I think it really works well. I mean, number one, moderation. Moderation, moderation. You cannot do it too much. It's got to be just, like, one little piece here, one little piece there. It's got to be, like, used to greatest effect. And I think most games just use it as a crutch. It's really, really lazy. And I, especially with, like, how dull Horizon was to me in general, it just really amplified, like, how dull and lazy that solution was. So I'm with you on that. In fact, the only game in recent memory I can think of where audio logs and or text files were used effectively... Uh, was in actually in the bunker, which I talked about an episode or two ago. That game has only like a handful, like a very sparse handful. And it makes perfect sense because everybody in the bunker was like a scientist and they were writing down these logs and they were keeping track of what was going on. So like it made logical sense that he would like find these things and hear about them. And there, were, there weren't many. It was just like a couple, like two or three. But in a game like Horizon, like with all that story that's in there, it's like, ugh. There's got to be a better way to fucking tell this story. Ugh, so boring. So boring. Anyway, what, what were your other updates, man? How, how is the rest of it going for you? How's the combat? Are you finding it? You said you're not frustrated, and I found the combat kind of frustrating, actually. It's not hard, or you don't have a problem with it? Well, I don't think the combat is great, but I think the fact that, and I mentioned this last week, that I'm playing on easy mode is actually helping a little bit, because I've died a few times in combat, but not, not too much. I mean, I, I don't think the combat is that great i mean it's basically just hitting people with your spear or like shooting them with arrows and i I find the most intense combat situations are whenever i'm facing off one-on-one against like a giant ass like robot dinosaur and it's just like me and the robot dinosaur and i'm like running my ass off around this like arena and like doing rolls and shit and then like trying to lob like bombs at it with my slingshot and stuff like those parts are pretty intense but those are pretty few and far between um, as far as the game goes but uh i did buy a few upgrades for combat and um i did buy like uh, uh mike Sp- uh, susky speaking of him he had recommended that i buy the there's a couple combat upgrades where you can uh, put two arrows in your arrow b- before you shoot it or you can uh you can do three and shoot three two or three arrows at a time and I actually have to say that helped out a lot because um, there's a lot of enemies in the game that can take, you know, like five or six hundred damage, like even some humans can. And one arrow might do like 50 or 100 if you're lucky and hit like a weak point. And so if you can like string three arrows in and shoot them all at once, then that certainly helps a lot. So that was pretty helpful. Um, like I bought a critical hit one that's pretty helpful where if you like knock a dinosaur or like a robot down you can press r1 and she'll do like a pretty like crazy like critical hit on him and that usually takes a lot of damage um so i don't know it's kind of getting there but i still don't feel like the combat is that great it's just like okay um but one thing i think the other big thing and this is such a stupid thing to complain about but um that I wanted to complain about was uh, that there's an element of hunting in the game, of, of hunting like real wildlife. So like not the robots, but like foxes and rats and and boars and stuff like that. It's very much like the Far Cry games where like you have to hunt, because in Far Cry you have to hunt like, say like 10 boars to get enough boar skins to build like a better wallet or build like a better backpack or something. And it makes sense. The thing that really irritates me about um, Horizons is that I was trying to build a new like, um, like resources backpack or like a, a quiver for my arrows or something like that. And I needed a fox skin to do it. And 
so I go out to hunt foxes in this like desert area and I find like, I don't know, like seven or eight or nine foxes and I kill all of them. Some of them I kill with my spear. Some of them I shoot with an arrow and like none of them gave me a fox skin whenever I went to scavenge them, like scavenge the resources because they can give you like any animal can give you their skin or their bones, which are kind of rare. Um, or they can give you like fatty meats or like small meats and those pop up way more, way more commonly. But I like I understand what the game's doing because if you could just go out and kill ten foxes and get ten fox skins and it would make it like way too easy to you know build the better like backpack or whatever. But it's incredibly irritating whenever uh, Aloy, who's supposed to be this like great hunter and tracker, and she's like trained all her life to be a hunter, when she kills fucking ten foxes in a row and cannot even get their fucking fox skin off of it, like it doesn't make it's totally like a video game trope for video games and it doesn't make any sense at all. Like I wish that it had some kind of consistency. Like maybe if you like stealth kill a fox with like a headshot from your bow, then you can get its skin. But if you like hit it with your staff, then that would like damage the skin too much to where you wouldn't be able to get it. But there's no rules like that at all. You just, it's just a luck of the draw of getting the right skin or the right bone from them. And like sitting around in a desert field hunting foxes for an hour is definitely not my idea of a good time in a game. I'd much rather be doing something else, but I also like want to build the better backpack or get more arrows or whatever. So that was just one thing for me that I like was hunting foxes for like 45 minutes yesterday. And I was like, wow, this is incredibly stupid. Like for, for this <laughs> game to make her out to be like this big time, like hunter and tracker, but she can't even get a fucking fox skin. Like it's just so stupid in video gaming. It really, really irritated me. Well, just for the record, I would like to point out how much slack you're giving this game because I think that aspect is fucking stupid. I mean, I've never I've never liked that particular idea. I mean, it originated with Far Cry and other other people have stolen that idea. But it's like if I need to make a bag, I can make a bag out of 47 other things other than a fucking fox skin. What the <laughs> fuck is it about a fox skin that I need? It's not like the arrow is going to burst in a fire if I put it inside a skin made out of like a boar skin or something. Like, who the fuck cares? Make it out of rope. Make it out of grass. People make all kinds of bags out of all kinds of things. And like, I mean, the whole idea of like, I I mean, I tell you what, man, if I go out and kill a fox, I guarantee there's going to be skin. I guarantee there's going to be bones. There's going to be meat. There's going to be a tail. There's going to be the whole thing. I get the whole fox when I, I mean, unless I'm blowing it up with a grenade and there's just like bits, <laughs> but if you shoot it with an arrow, there's going to be plenty of that fucking animal left. It's ridiculous that it's, you know, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I needed to make one of those bags too. And you know, this game makes you make like 15 different bags. There's like a bag for every fucking thing under the sun, which is ridiculous to begin with. But like, I needed a, like a, a wild boar bone for whatever it was I was doing. I killed like eight or nine boars in a row and not a single one dropped a bone. And I'm like, fuck this, fuck everything about this. This is ridiculous. The whole pig, the whole pig drops over dead. It's not like you shot an arrow and every, it's like it's skeleton shot out its ass and it was gone. I mean, it's like, give me a fucking break. These are not deboning arrows. I mean, I I stopped. I just stopped at that point. And I'm like, I'm not even going to bother because I just don't care. I don't, I don't care that I need a bag that has a boar, you know, boar skin on it because I like the way it smells. I like it's furry. I don't know. Why do I need a boar bag? And, uh, it, you know, too much bullshit, too much bullshit for me. That kind of passed my, my acceptable line of bullshit. So, I mean, I bailed on that game and I just, I don't, I don't regret it. And hearing you and your Fox, your Fox story just makes me shake my fucking head. Like, what were those guys thinking, man? I just don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have much else to say about it. It's really, it's really stupid in video gamey. And it's interesting to me how like certain critic and certain critical spheres will let shit like this pass in some video games and not others, but that's a completely different discussion. Um, 
But uh, I'm going to keep playing Horizon. I'm still, I'm like, you know, waist deep in it at this point. I'm enjoying it for the most part. Um, and I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm ready for it to like wrap up and like, because I really have like no clue how like close to the end of the game I am. Like it feels like I might be getting close, but really there's like no way to know until I get there. So I'm like kind of at the point where I'm ready for it to just like wrap up and like for it to do like, you know, the climactic end game stuff, but really don't know how close I am to that. But uh, when it gets there, I will be ready for it. Right on, right on. Well, let me know how you think it wraps up. I mean, I watched the whole thing on YouTube, so I know how it wraps up, but uh, let me know what you think and let me know if uh, if you if you felt like it were at its welcome. I would be curious about that because I feel like a lot of games this year are really running long, like really, really long. Um, I think I think Horizon would have been well served to be shorter than it is among other games. So I, I'd be curious to hear your final take on it. Yeah, I might. I, I sure as hell hope that I'll finish it between here and our next recording and I can give some like late game updates. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I will finish it before then. Sounds good. Well, uh, you have do you have another game you want to talk about? Right. Yeah, just one really quick. Uh, <clears throat> this is called This is the Police. It came out on PS4. I believe it's also on Xbox One, also on PC. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it just came out a month ago, March 22nd, 2017, developed by a studio who I don't know how to pronounce their name. It's either Weepy or Wappy or Weepy. <laughs> w, none of those are good. Like I wouldn't name my studio any of those things. I don't, I don't know what that name means. Maybe it's two people's names mushed together, or maybe it means something in a foreign language. I don't know, but it's like W-E-A-P-P-Y, Weepy, Weepy Studio. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this is the police is, I, it's weird. It's a weird game. Um, we have a brand new writer at game critics. Uh, she has been, uh, she came out of nowhere and has been writing some really cool reviews for us. Uh, her name is Rebecca and she, this is one of the games she covered. Her review has not gone up on the site yet, but when I read her review, I was like, what, what is going on with your review? Like it was really confusing to me. <laughs> Um, and I had not played that game at this time, but now that I've played it, I'm like, oh, okay. This take, it, I mean, totally makes sense what she said, and now I know what direction to go with it. She did a great job. It just was very confusing because the game is very confusing. Um, basically, you start off as the chief of police. He's old, and he is getting kicked out of his job for reasons which are not entirely clear. It seems like everybody in this particular town is either corrupt or they're just an asshole, uh, sometimes both, probably both. <laughs> and so he's, he's bitter, right? He's like, Oh, I'm getting kicked out of my job. I didn't have any money put away for savings. I don't have a nest egg for retirement. And so now I have 180 days left before I got to get out of this office. And I got to rack up like $500,000, uh, because that's my plan basically. So the game tries to tell you this story about this really bitter, burned out police chief, like his wife left him. Uh, he goes to strip clubs all the time. He, he's on, it, it seems like he's on the take from the mob. It's not exactly made hundred percent clear, but it seems like he is. So they're telling this story in these cutscenes, and I don't really like the character very much to begin with. I don't think the game starts out that great. Like he, the character feels like he's kind of putting me off. Like he's not very likable. I don't really relate to his situation very much. He's not saying anything that really kind of endears me to him. So that was kind of a strike against the game to begin with. And this, the cutscenes go on for too long, I think. It's like, I'm definitely a story guy, but this is a story where I kind of didn't care about the story, which is really weird for me to say, but I just didn't. Um, the thing that makes it worse is that the story feels totally divorced from the actual gameplay. It feels like 
two absolutely separate things going on. Like the story being told in the cutscenes feels like it has nothing to do with what you do when you're playing the game, which is a really bad thing to have happen. Um, when you actually start playing, you look at a screen, which is basically a 2D representation of the city where you are. And then little crimes will pop up. These little windows will pop up and it'll be like, oh, robbery at the 7-Eleven. Or uh, someone got mugged on C Street or something like that. There's these little text boxes pop up. And you have a number of officers that are represented also by little boxes. They give you little portrait pictures. And each officer has like a professionalism rating, an energy rating, um, something like three different stats. I forget what the third stat is. And that, you know, you don't, you don't talk to them or anything. Like you don't know who they are. They're just on your screen. And so this crime pops up and you can be like, okay, well, I'm going to dispatch these two guys here to this crime. And there's nothing really to recommend any of them over the other ones. You just kind of pick. Uh, they drive off in this little teeny tiny little car. Like it looks almost like you're looking down at a, at like a, a board game almost. So they drive off and then you sit and stare and you watch them drive away. They get to the scene of the crime. Um, and you just, you're still looking at this game board. Like, like imagine like you're looking at a model of a city, right? And someone says, Hey, there's a crime, but you don't see the crime. And when you dispatch a cop, there's this teeny tiny little car that drives around the model street, but you're not in the car. You're not following the car. And when the car gets there, you don't really see it. And then when the police are dealing with a crime, you don't see that either. Just another text box pops up and they go, oh, crime solved. Or, or it says, oh, bad guy got away. And that's it. And then they come back. And so like all these crimes pop up and you, just, you send out more cops. But all you're doing is staring at this model of the city. You're not doing any action. You're not chasing people. You're not shooting people. You're not driving the car. You're not doing anything except for staring at this model of the city. And that's literally all you do during the gameplay sections. And if that sounds fucking boring, that's because it fucking is. It is intensely boring. Uh, there's just nothing going on. There's no visual pizzazz. You don't feel very involved in what's going on. Uh, it, it feels very detached and random. Like sometimes I'll send uh, police officers to a crime. Sometimes uh, everything's fine. Sometimes they catch the guy. Sometimes they don't. Uh, I don't really know why. Like, you know, which way it goes. Like there's no extenuating circumstances. Like... You know, it would make sense if they were like, oh, Officer A was out of shape and the guy he was chasing uh, beat him in a foot race or something. Like, you know, it would give me some information about this guy so then I'd be, be able to make a better choice next time. It's either they catch him or they don't, and that's it. And when they come back, if they catch him, it's fine. They gain, like, a professionalism score. If they don't catch the guy, they lose professionalism. But I'm like, wait a minute. If you're responding to a crime, like one of the crimes, for example, is vandalism. Somebody calls in, hey, hey, somebody spray painted on my garage. Okay, well, in real life, that vandal is not going to be there by the time the cop gets there. Guaranteed. Like, the cop's going to get there, you know, like, minimum, like, two hours after you make that call. And that person's going to be long gone. So, of course, they're not going to find anybody. But you're not, I mean, I'm not expecting to catch anybody for a vandalism call. But, like, the cop goes there, he catches nobody, and then he takes, like, a stats hit because he didn't catch anybody. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, that's not how police work. That's not... That doesn't make, you know, there's no basis in real reality for that. So that's really unsatisfying. Like the cops are kind of like seemingly random, uh, you know, solving crimes or not. And you're just staring at this map of the city as these little teeny, teeny, tiny little cars are driving all around the city. And you're just watching these status windows pop back up. You do that for like, I don't know, five minutes. And then you get another cutscene about the police, uh, police chief. And he's just, he's off drinking or he's like in a strip club or he's, uh, you know, talking to some mafia guy or something, but it has nothing to do with what you were doing. Like, it's like two totally separate things. So I was like, man, 
I don't care about the story, and I sure as hell don't care about the gameplay. Uh, I bailed out pretty fucking quick. I think I spent maybe like 45 minutes, maybe an hour with the game, and I'm like, I'm done. Like, I, I wasn't reviewing it. I'm not responsible for this game, but I thought it would be interesting to check out, and it is not interesting. I don't understand how it got developed in the shape that it was. It is so fucking boring. It is so boring. Like, I just, I just don't even know. I don't know who would sit through this. I don't know who would finish this. I got zero satisfaction from playing this game whatsoever. It seemed just like a bad idea that just kept on going. So I, I got nothing good to say about this as a police. I, I recommend people avoid. Would you recommend that people avoid the police in general? These days, yes, because Jesus Christ, that's all the topic, though. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so I have some questions about this game because this, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as stupid as this game sounds, it also sounds really fascinating to me. And my fascination with it will either be pushed harder or I'll level off based on what your answer to these questions are. Um, so, first of all, do you have any interaction with the police uh, officers at all whenever they come back? Like, do you get to like discipline them or do you get to like promote them or anything based on how they treat the crime when they get there? So here's what happens when you go back to the station, you see all your officers in like a grid. So you don't like go up to them and talk to them or anything. They're just like little pictures on a grid. You can um, give somebody like a promotion for any reason. It doesn't, you don't even have to have a reason. You just pick a guy. And, or if you want to, uh, if they ask for like a day off or something, you can either give it to them or not. And that's about it. Like, that's all it is. Just like these little, little stat bumps. Um, apparently, you know, it has some effect on their behavior, but I didn't really see enough of the behavior or any effect in their behavior to really know like what that was affecting. So it's not like you get to know these characters. They're just like little pictures on a screen. It's nothing. I mean, they're, they're even less personable than XCOM because, um, in XCOM, at least you can dress your guys up and you got, they got a nickname, you take them out in the field. And so you kind of get a feel for them. You develop your own little backstories for these people. This is literally just like a headshot of a, a little icon and that's all you get with them. Like you don't get really anything else with them. It's really, it's really flat and emotionless. Okay. Do you think that the game itself, cause I could see this being one of those games that like, you know, like 90% of the people that play it do not like, but then there's that 10% that are like really, um, what's the word I'm looking for that are really like pretentious. And they're like, they're like, Oh, well actually this game is, a really um, heartfelt commentary about the state of the United States police and about how it's like how you're the police chief and you can't do anything about your own police officers and how the work might seem exciting, but it's really boring. And all you do is dispatch everyone and how you're like depressed, but you're stuck at your day job. And it's like a boring game that's made to be boring. Kind of like an anti-shooter is made to be like, like monotonous. How, how does that resonate with you when I say that? Um, it sounds like bullshit. I mean, I could see somebody <laughs> writing that. Like, I don't put anything past people in their review sphere. Like, I've seen weird-ass articles from all kinds of directions. I mean, anybody can write an article about anything if they try hard enough. I'm sure you could make an argument for that, but that does not ring true to me. It does not seem that way. It just seems like people wanted to use the police to as a structure for this, like, really basic strategy game they came up with, and they just didn't have anything else to do with it. So... Impossible. I could see somebody writing that, but it wouldn't. It would not click with me. It would not seem valid to me. It would seem like a, a posturing piece. Okay, because I could just see like, you, you know what I mean, though. Somebody's saying that and oh, thinking yeah. it has oh, this yeah. like really deep emotional reson like resonance with the the state of the United States and the police forces and crime and punishment and blah blah blah. But really, it's just like a boring ass game. 
you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I mean, you know, to, to steal that phrase, uh, I think this is just a cigar. I mean, you could you could try to look for more meaning, more depth. Uh, I, I personally don't see it. I wouldn't buy it, but, you know, that doesn't mean somebody won't try. But in general, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. I mean, anybody looking to get a good bang for their buck, anybody looking for a solid weekend of fun, I would not recommend this at all. <laughs> Um, okay, I think that's all the questions I had about it, but um, good to know that you give it a solid double thumbs down. Double thumbs down and a frown. Ooh, that rhymed. Oh, good job, good job. Thank um, you. Well, Brad, do you know something that I really like? Uh, I'm guessing it's email. I do. I love emails, and I love when people send in emails to the show. Mostly because, spoiler alert, it doesn't happen that often because we're sad and nobody likes us. But every once in a while, we get an email from a listener and they ask us some cool questions or they tell us a cool story or they recommend movies to us and stuff like that. So uh, we got an email from a uh, listener of the show who, I'm sorry if I'm going to butcher your name, I think it's Elio. It might be Elio. You would think I would know how to treat our fans better than this, but... um. I apologize, but uh, let me, he sent us an email to the show uh, explaining his situation and asking a couple questions about us, about uh, some stuff in his situation and what we would do. So let me, let me sum all this up so we can move into the email segment. Um, Right now, Mr. Elio is neck deep in a video game called Dreamfall Chapters. It is an episodic game. The first episode came out in 2014 on PC and he is neck deep. He encountered what he believes is a game-breaking bug. Uh, what it sounded like was pretty late in the game from his email. He said that he scoured the internet and only found a couple forums that actually explained the bug and that it's kind of, it's almost undocumented. And he's worried that he will not be able to finish the game without starting completely over. And because Dreamfall Chapters is a non-linear game and it has a lot of uh, player-based decisions that sort of have rippling effects on the story and there's several different outcomes with the story threads based on the decisions you make, he can't just go to YouTube and watch the rest of the game or like watch Let's Plays or anything because those plays will not have his decisions in them. So he has some questions for us about this situation. Uh, He asks... Uh, Has this ever happened to you? Um, What do you do when or if you've had a similar experience with a game? Uh, Would you turn an otherwise positive review into a negative one, even though you could play, even though what you did play was enjoyable uh, based on game breaking bugs? Um, Brad, I have like one example prepared. Uh, Have you thought about this? Do you have anything, any responses for Elio about this? Yeah, sure. I mean, it has happened to me before. I was, you know, I'm old, okay? Like I'm old, man. I I I've played so many games in, in my in my career. I can't. I was really trying hard to come up with a specific example, and I couldn't think of one. But I know for a fact this has happened to me at least a couple of times. So like, he's not alone. Elio, you're not alone. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't like name a specific game because my memory is just not what it used to be. But this has for sure happened. Um, whether it's a bug or some other weird decision or something where you just get stuck and you can't finish a game. Um. <sighs> what would I do if I had a similar experience? Number one, it makes me really mad. It makes me really feel like I wasted my time. It makes me feel very frustrated. Uh, And as a reviewer, if this ever happens to me when I'm reviewing a game, it's big trouble. It's big trouble for that game because if the game has, I mean, seriously though, if this game has been otherwise positive, 
But you get to a point at which you cannot progress. You cannot finish that game. You cannot get the entire experience, which is basically saying that the people who made this game did not make it properly, did not make it finish a bowl. That is a huge fucking problem. I mean, that is like, uh, you know, that is, that's broken goods, man. So, uh, there have been cases, and in fact, again, I'm sorry I can't come up with a specific example, but I, I can remember writing reviews where everything was great except for, like, oh, this thing that happened at the end where I couldn't finish or there was a bug. Yeah, I mean, I definitely knock a couple points off. I mean, it's not going to turn, like, an 8 into, like, a 4, but, you know, it'll definitely knock a couple points off, and I'll write a lot about it. I mean, people who read the text will definitely know, hey, watch out, you know, maybe this was an isolated incident, but it happened to me, it could happen to you, and if you start over... There's nothing saying it's not going to happen to you again. I mean, who knows what the circumstances were and if the developers don't know where to pinpoint it and if very few people are having it, you know, it's unpredictable. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate spending time on a game that feels like a waste and that would be definitely a waste of time. Um, so yeah, it would it would really sour my experience. It would make me very hesitant to buy a game from that developer again. Uh, and I would definitely make my neg my uh, my review much more negative than it would have been otherwise, for sure. I mean, I I feel like I owe it to my readers to say something like that. I mean, I know some writers feel like, oh, well, it happened to me. That was a rare thing. Maybe a lot of people, you know, 90% of the people that play this won't have a problem. I shouldn't say that about it, but I, I call bullshit on that. If it happens to you, that's your experience. You need to write about it. You need to warn people about it. And it's up to that developer to get on top of that shit. You made the game. You got to fix the game. You got to find out what's wrong. And give people their, their money's worth, you know? It's, it's, it's total bullshit that sometimes uh, developers just don't feel like it's worth uh, fixing, you know? Like, sometimes they'll say, well, only 1% of people are having this bug. It's not financially feasible for us to fix this, so sorry to that 1% and just whatever. And whenever I hear something like that, it just really pisses me off. So, yeah, I will definitely mention it in my review, and it will definitely sour me. Um, you know, it's not going to erase everything else good about that game, but it's going to be a really big black mark. So, Corey, what's your take, man? Well, I have a few, um, I have a bad example and I have a, I have a good example, but I also want to respond to what you just said too, because this makes me think about, um, I've got a friend who works, uh, in like a QA, I think he works in QA for a game, uh, developer. I think he works for QA and Sledgehammer. Uh, his name's John Salito. Do you know John Salito, Brad? I do not. Uh, well that there went that then he's, he's a friend that I met from Twitter. He lives in California. He's a really cool dude. Um, he, he was telling me, he was talking to me a while back about um, working in the QA department in video games and about how, like, sometimes it's really hard for the developers themselves to find these bugs. Like, they'll have, um, you know, they'll have people say, you know, well, this happened to me, this broke my game, you know, this glitched at this point. And when you work in a department like that, you have to uh, sort of investigate the bug. And, I mean, if we're talking about, like, a big game, you know, there could be you know, there might be like a 1% chance that you can recreate those conditions in the game in order for that bug to happen so that you can investigate it. So I'm sure it's hard for the developers too, but I also wanted to bring up, because um, I know you had mentioned it before, um, wasn't it whenever you were playing The Witcher 3's DLC that you had a bug and you actually sent your save data to CD Projekt Red? Yeah, that's true. It was actually, um, my wife, as a matter of fact, she was playing The Witcher 3, which is a massive game, a huge game. Uh, one of the biggest, I think, honestly. Um, she had hit a bug where she was following quest markers and something happened to where, like, all of a sudden these invisible walls popped up and she couldn't progress to the quest marker. Um, I had gotten through the quest no problem when I played, but she was stuck. There was literally nothing she could do. 
So she was stuck in her game, could not go. So I talked to the developers uh, and I said, hey, man, this is going on. And they had me actually copy my data from uh, her PS4, copied it onto a file, sent it into them. They looked at the file. They uh, asked for like a second file. They compared the files. Then they were comparing it with their files. And then they asked me (laughs) to send them a video. I sent them a video and then they finally tracked it down and they fixed it. So um, they fixed it in the whole game. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just for us. I mean, they fixed it in the entire game. So once that fix was implemented, she was able to progress as normal and she did finish the game in total, which to me, for a game as large as The Witcher, um, I mean, that's amazing that they went to those lengths. I really uh, have nothing but the greatest respect for CD Projekt Red. Um, It would have been very easy for them to say, oh, you know, we don't know where this is. We don't know what happened and just to beg off. And they didn't. Uh, they really went the extra mile, which is awesome. I wish more developers did that. So, yeah. I mean, I granted, it, it can be hard. I get it. Like, it's not that easy. Uh, I'm not saying, like, I know every in and out about game development. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's no big deal. But I feel like a really serious effort needs to be made. And sometimes I feel like people just get blown off, you know? I feel like they just, like, well, we've only had one guy complain. So what? You know? And they just let it go, which kind of boils my blood a little bit. Well, um... I have two, uh, two examples um, from when this has happened to me. And the first, I'll go with the bad one first because we always want to end on a good note. So uh, most recently, uh, I played, and I, ta- I actually talked about this on the podcast, I think I played a game called Divide, which is like an isometric um, kind of third-person shooter, puzzly exploration game. Um, it's very sci-fi driven. Um, and this actually happened to me. I was actually reviewing Divide um, for you, uh, for Game Critics. I was playing it, and it was like an okay game. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. It was just like it was like average to below average. And I got to a section of the game where I the game to the game's credit, it did not break at this point. But I was in a corridor, or I was in a room, and there was only one exit in the room, a corridor that led down a hallway. And every time I left that room, there was like an off-screen enemy that would shoot me and would kill me before I could kill that enemy. And I could never see exactly where they were because the aiming in the game wasn't that great because it was isometric. The camera wasn't that great. And at a certain point, I had just decided, okay, I'm going to stop playing this game. I'm going to review it unfinished. And it's, you know, it's just, it's an all right game. I, I don't remember what I gave it. It was probably like a five or something. But before I finished my review, uh, they... Uh, sent a patch out for it. So it updated on my PlayStation 4. And I was like, okay, well, it's been a couple days. Like, maybe I can plug it back in. I could try it. I got the patch. Like, and, and nothing was wrong with my game. But I was like, well, let me see what the patch fixed. So like, you know, let's see what happens. So I turned the game on and I tried to load my save data. And I think the patch had corrupted my save data or something had happened where I could not reload my checkpoint. And... I so I, I believe I talked about it in my review because this was only like a couple like maybe three months ago, but it was extremely disappointing because I, I mean the game was already so okay, so it's not like you said it's not like it went from like an eight to four or anything, but it was like it was like an average game that got that went like way below average whenever my whenever my save data became uh, corrupt from their patch, and it was just really disappointing and. I don't know. It was just shitty. But the good example I'll give after that um, to lift everyone's spirits is I played a game. We've talked about this on the podcast before, too. I played a game called Ether One, which is on. It was a PS Plus game that I got for free, and I played it like two summers ago. And I, I adore Ether One. I love this game. Uh, I think it's just uh, it's just the, the best. It's like a walking simulator puzzle game. I adore it. And I was playing it. 
uh, way back when, when it came to PS Plus, and there was kind of a part in the game where it got kind of intense, and there was, like, a lot of shit happening at once, and, like, some story stuff going on, and, like, um, the game was kind of, like, funneling you quickly, and the game just crashed. Like, obviously, whatever was going on in the game, it was, like, too intense for the game to handle it, and it crashed, and I was like, okay, well, you know, this isn't the first time this happened to me in a video game. Like, shit's going on, the game shuts down, like, I'll just turn it back on. Well, every time I got to that point in the game... Um, it either kept crashing or like the save, the save data corrupted or something like that. And I was like pretty deep into the game. I had been playing it for like five or six, seven hours, something like that. Um, and so I was really, really disappointed because I did not really want to go back and play all of that over again. But uh, I mean, this isn't really going to be a great story. Basically the moral of this story is they released a patch <laughs> and fixed it. Well, they released a patch and they fixed it and I had to go back and play all of it again there. I couldn't reload my save. So I had to start all the way over at the beginning, but this is like the most backhanded compliment I could possibly give this game. Um, but going forward, no, anyone that's listening, if you're interested in ether one, it has been fixed as far as I know that I feel like it's a testament to this game that I was willing to start all the way over after being like three quarters of the way through it and play through it all again. And I loved it the second time through and I wrote a review for it and I gave it, I can't remember what score I gave it, but it was a pretty high score. And I mean, so it's not like they magically fixed it and I got to start where I was, but the game was so excellent that I really didn't have a problem starting it. I mean, I had a problem starting it over again, but it wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't not start it. I didn't give it up. Like I willingly played through the whole thing again so I could get back up to that point and finish the game out because the story and the setting and everything that was going on was so compelling. And at the end of the day, I'm glad I did. Like, I don't regret for a second going back and playing through the beginning, uh, you know, first half or first three quarters of that game again so I could finish it out because I think that game is a magical experience and I adore it and I still highly recommend it even though that old bug uh, broke my game. My favorite part of that story is when you said this wasn't a good story. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was going to be like uplifting and happy, but then I realized that nothing really happy happened except for the fact that I enjoyed the game. Like, you know, it's not like they fixed it and transported me right back to the game. So, but I, I love no. the game. I guess that's the happiness that I get out of it. Divide, that was an average game that became below average with its bugs. Ether one. I decided to start again, even though it was buggy and they fixed it and I adored it after I finished it. So uh, maybe not the happiest ending, but at least I still got to play an excellent game that I love. Well, that's good. And I think another thing to consider is how much time is invested. I mean, either one is a fairly short game, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's probably like 10 hours tops, maybe 12. Oh, that's that's actually longer than I thought. I mean, that to me is like it's like it's like if I lose. I mean, like. It depends. Like, I think maybe like two hours is the most. And that's got to be like for a game that I have to review and, you know, they fixed it and they patched it and I know it's going to work when I come back to it. I mean, like, I don't know, like I'm really, really averse. Uh, I get a really bad taste in my mouth whenever I lose progress. I mean, if I if I lost a lot of progress, I would just call it call it good. I kind of don't care. I, I, I mean, my hat is off to you for going back and giving another shot like that. I cannot say that I would do that with all all games that I play. Probably probably would not. So uh, kudos to you for your stick to But, you know, it was a game you loved. If it was a game you didn't like, yeah, I, you know, I can't really recommend doing that. I feel like uh, I feel like life's too short for that, man. I, I kind of would probably move on at that point. But, well, there you go. Elio, uh, I hope that we have answered your question. What do you think, Corey? Did we answer his question? I think so. And I think that if he, I mean, if I haven't played Dreamfall chapters, so I can't say, but I mean, if it's good enough and if he doesn't have anything, you know, 
else to play on his plate at the moment or anything. I mean, maybe he could go back and give it another shot and hope that he doesn't run into the situation that breaks it again. But I, uh, I mean, who knows if that would happen or not. I actually have played um, the middle game in that trilogy, and it was actually pretty good. So I feel for him. Um, I enjoyed that game uh, a good amount. I think I played it on Xbox, I believe. And uh, yeah, very heavily story-based. I totally know what he's, he's talking about. You can't just watch it on YouTube and get the same experience. So uh, I don't know, man. Let us know how it ended up for you. Let us know what you did. And uh, let us know how you thought the game ended up. And anybody else listening, uh, yeah, send us your emails. We love getting emails. We will definitely take the time to answer them on the show. Uh, so if you have a conundrum like Elio's or anything else, uh, yeah, you can, you can get some time from us, guaranteed. Indeed. Um, well, Brad, do you have anything else to add? No, man, I think that's it. I thought this was going to end up being a short show, and I think we kind of went longer than expected, so I think we covered things thoroughly. I do want to say, though, really quickly, um, I was kind of floundering around for a while. I, I needed a new game to play. Uh, I'm still working on Flint Hook for review, but like I said, I can only play that in short bursts just because of the kind of game it is. So I needed something else to play in the meantime. I jumped around to a couple things. I was... Almost tempted to go back to near Automata, but I'm like, nah, I just wasn't enjoying it that much. I just really can't. Uh, and then I was like, well, I'll go back to, uh, what else haven't I finished? There was still stuff for me to do in Yakuza 0, but I'm like, uh, it's not really grabbing me right now. So um, my wife actually ended up finishing uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, I think, uh, one or two days ago. She put like a massive amount of time into that game. And I watched her off and on, so it seemed like a pretty cool game. Uh, and I'm like, well, I... I, I probably got to play it. It's going to be on everybody's uh, top 10 list this year. I might as well get it over with. So I started it this morning. Uh, looking forward to delivering some thoughts on that probably by the next time we record. Uh, I'm only about maybe five or six hours into it now. So pretty early still. But uh, uh, we shall see where this goes. We shall see where this goes. And this is probably going to be a long-term investment. So uh, we'll see. After you buy a Pro Controller, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes, I, fucking, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was tweeting, Corey's referring to something I tweeted this morning. As soon as I turned on the game, the back of the box says that you can use the Wii Pro Controller uh, or the, the control, whatever it's called. And I had one. So I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm just going to use that. Uh, but turns out it that was a misprint. It does not actually work. So uh, I could not do that. And I do not have a Wii U Pro Controller. So I had to use the gamepad. And the gamepad sucks. I hate the gamepad. <laughs> it's heavy. It's bulky. It's awkward. It doesn't feel good. I don't like the sticks. Everything about that is garbage. I just, I fucking hate the uh, the, Wii, the Wii gamepad. So I got to get a Pro Controller. Uh, once I get paid, I'm going to head down and uh, pick one up. Apparently, they're not too expensive, which is good. So I am looking forward to uh, just playing it with a regular fucking controller, which is nice because it's been a while since Zelda put out a game that wasn't really super reliant on gimmicks. So that's that's a nice change. But uh, yeah, more to come. It's, it's way too early to talk about right now, but I will, I will fill you in. Cool, cool. Patrick's been playing it a lot on the Wii U here um hasn't really said a lot he doesn't get like passionate about games like you know love or hate like i do and you do so he's just kind of been playing it but um yeah i'll be interested to hear what you say because i probably i'm just not into zelda games or really nintendo games for that matter at all but i'd be happy to hear what you have to say about it whenever you get deeper into it we shall be talking about it cool cool well are you ready to wrap then I'm ready to I'm ready to wrap it up. I'm not ready to wrap. I'm never ready to wrap because that would be embarrassing for everybody involved. That would not that would not be good at all. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Okay, okay. Well, 
close out the show. Uh, I know Brad already mentioned it, but um, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, if you have any game-breaking bugs that you want to discuss with us on the show, uh, any email form, you can email us. Our collective uh, show email is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything. If you have show topics you want to hear us talk about, um, we'd be happy to uh, you know uh, to look at those and see if we feel like discussing anything too. Um, we're also on Twitter at so video games there, and believe it or not, Brad and I also have individual Twitter handles that we are much more um, much more uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, interactive Respond. on. Yeah, responsive. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much, uh, if you tweet, the funny thing I've noticed is that, like, I handle most of the Soviet Games Twitter stuff, and I pretty much only use it to, like, tweet out the show. Like, every time we put out a new show, I tweet it, like, two or three times from the account. And anytime someone tweets the So Video Games show, Brad and I pretty much always respond, like, on our own Twitter handles, which I think is kind of funny. Very true. Very true. You know, it's it's tough for, like, two different people to manage one account. And I have it tagged so that I see any responses and I'm usually just on my own. So it just ends up being easier and probably just less confusing that we do that. So yeah, if you, but feel free to hit any of the Twitters, all three, any, I mean, I think we're probably all going to see them no matter which one you respond to. So however you want to reach out, go for it. It's all good. Indeed. Brad, do you want to give out your personal Twitter handle? Yeah, you can reach me at Brad Galloway, uh, all A's, no O's. And, uh, yeah, I think the, I think that's it. Cool. And if you want to get in contact with me, my Twitter handle is at Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. I still don't know how you came up with that one, man. Mm, I don't know. I'm lucky. Lucky, lucky. I actually uh, paid a hitman to murder somebody who had my Twitter handle, and then that's how <laughs> I got it. <laughs> ah, that's a good story. That's a good story. That's going to be the plot of the next Hitman game. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the DLC missions, isn't it? You need to get like your own Twitter handle, Agent Forty Seven. Eliminate this guy. Yeah, that game is based. It's loosely based on my life story. <laughs> Excellent. The, the residuals from that must be amazing. Uh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> well, I think that's gonna wrap us. It's been a little bit of a long show. Um, thank you, Elio, for sending in your question. Glad we got to discuss it. Um, that's pretty much the end of the So Video Games show. We will be back uh, next week with a fresh show for everybody's ear holes. Uh, so until then, uh, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. And we'll see you next time. Bye, y'all.